These two sisters are very familiar to many of you. Uh, they are Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha then, we read about them in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 down to verse 42. So let's read together then these two, uh, this account of these two sisters. Luke 10, 38. So it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and there a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Go and tell her to help me. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now, let's keep our finger in those verses and turn across to Romans and the first chapter. And I'll remind you again of the, the two verses that are our text, Romans 1, 16 and 17. That's Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we'll take that phrase at the end of verse 17, just as we did last Sunday, the just shall live by faith, and we'll superimpose it on the story of Mary and Martha. Well, let's ask God to help us then as we turn to his word. Lord our God, we thank you that here we are again on a Sunday, ready to do what Mary did all those years ago, and that's to leave aside all the rushing about of life and to come here in order to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. Lord, there are some who have chosen today to continue to rush around, but we thank you, our God, that we are able to come here and hear your word. So we ask you then to help us to hear it, to take it into our minds and our hearts, to do that better part uh, that Jesus has referred to here. So we commend ourselves then in Jesus' name. Amen. So all of us know now, don't we, that on a Sunday morning, we, uh, our theme is uh, thinking about our society. We are trying to understand, we are trying to make sense of the society that we are in. And uh, when we start a sermon, we usually just recap for a moment or two on what we've already thought about. So what we've done so far is this. We've recognised that in our society, God continues to speak. 
So wherever you live, wherever you go to work, whichever street your house is, God continues to speak to your neighbours and to your colleagues and to your family. Do you remember how God continues to speak? We've seen three things. We've sang about it this morning in our Psalms. God speaks through creation. God speaks from heaven. And God speaks from the gospel, from this message that's still being preached today. So we must never think that we have a silent God. God is speaking into the minds and the lives of many, many people today. How many of you realise that yesterday the rapture was supposed to have happened? Did any of you notice that? I didn't know until last Sunday when one of you told me that uh, there's this uh, certain theologian in the United States who predicted that yesterday the rapture would take place. Now, all week I've had conversations with people about, oh, do you know the rapture is going to happen on Saturday? And uh, what amazes me is whoever you talk to, people still have this instinctive awareness of God. God continues to speak. What What else we've seen is this. The foundations on which our society was built for centuries have been destroyed. We've seen three foundations. The foundation of of personhood. What does it mean to be a man? And what does it mean to be a woman? Now, for centuries, we have understood what it means in the light of Genesis and those creation stories. Now, you and I have witnessed in our lifetime a complete destruction of that idea of what it means to be man and woman. We also saw last Sunday that we have witnessed a destruction in the foundation of marriage. So again, for centuries, building on Genesis, the idea was that a man married a woman, that the two became one flesh, that that marriage was symbolic of the relationship between Christ and his church, that that relationship came first, Christ and his people, and then marriage reflects that through society. Now, that foundation has been destroyed. So men can now marry men. Women can marry women. You can not marry at all. That foundation has gone. And then last Sunday, we saw the third foundation, which has been destroyed in our day. And that is the foundation of family. And again, going back to Genesis, you have in chapters 1 and 2 there, the foundation of of family life. What does it mean to have a family? And uh, that foundation was uh, reinforced throughout the Bible, up into the New Testament. But again today, that idea of family is no longer considered relevant in society. So just to go back to last Sunday, as we ended the sermon, do you remember what we said? How as Christian people are we going to respond to these tremendous changes in society? 
And the phrase is, the just shall live by faith. Now, what I want to do today is I want to turn to the story of Martha, and I want to use Martha as a lens through which to understand our society. So if you like, think of Martha as a type or a representative or a symbol of how a society can become. That's what we'll do today. And then next Sunday, I want to think of Martha from the point of view of Christian experience. So today then, Martha as a symbol of our society. And let's look at what Jesus says about her in verse 41. Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And straight away, you and I can say today that we live in a society that is worried and troubled about many things. So, for example, we are troubled in our society about what Brexit means. And uh, every day you put your news on, and there's somebody else with an opinion about whether or not we should leave the EU. We are troubled today in our society about nuclear war and what is going on in North Korea. We have uh, news about hurricanes and earthquakes nearly every day. So our trouble, our society is troubled and worried about many things. I want to focus on one thing. And what I want to focus on is the subject of anxiety. You and I are living in a very anxious society. And again, every time you put your TVs on and listen to the news, you will hear another story about people who are suffering from anxiety. Just in the last few weeks, I don't know if you've noticed, we've been told how anxious our children are. That in school, children are anxious because there's constant testing going on, there are high expectations, there's pressure from social media, and so we are told that we have the most anxious generation of children that our society has ever seen. And we hear about our children experiencing not just anxiety, but depression. We hear about children experiencing self-harm. There is this constant theme in the media of how anxious our children are. This is the time of year when school starts up again and uh, universities start again. And there was a report last week about how anxious students are. And uh, I think Freshers' Week is next week. And there was this report out about how anxious students are during that first week. And there were reports of individual students too anxious to leave their rooms, too anxious to meet new friends. And so you have, again, this idea of the anxiety that students are feeling today and how difficult it is 
for them. Now, are you having any memories being stirred? Can you think of any reports that you've heard about how people are anxious in our society today? There's been a report out about policemen. And apparently one quarter of all policemen and women are experiencing anxiety that is so great that they need to visit their GP, they need to be on medication, they are taking time off work because of the, the, the anxiety in their lives. So as well as policemen, we've heard reports about teachers, we've re heard reports about soldiers and MPs. Every day there are these reports in the media. And just yesterday, there was another report on how mental health workers, so nurses and psychiatrists, they too are so anxious that they're unable to continue with their work. So we are living in a society that is consciously and constantly anxious. Why is it, do you think? What's the explanation for these levels of anxiety? Well, turn to what we have here in the story of Mary and Martha. And uh, in verse 41, you find Jesus saying the most modern of things. It's quite remarkable, really, what he says in verse 41. He says, you are worried and troubled about many things. Now, that's almost a diagnosis. Today, if you go to your GP and tell him that you're anxious, your GP will tell you that you are suffering from generalized anxiety disorder. And that's the idea here in verse 41. That this woman, she's anxious about not just one thing, but she's anxious about a number of things. And because she's so anxious, she's not able to function in the way that she would like. Let's take a look then at what's making Martha anxious. And I want to suggest four things. And these four things, I think, are relevant for our own society and the first of them I think is very obvious and that circumstances she's hosting a dinner party if you like she's invited the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples and she's hosting this evening in which she's offering hospitality to someone she considers very important so the most obvious thing to say, it's the circumstances of her life that are generating this sense of anxiety. And so today, if you hear about children or students or professional people feeling anxious, the first thing to consider are the circumstances of a person's life. Now, I say that, and you're going to say to me, Neil, that's obvious. But it's not obvious. Because what will happen today is that you'll be told that you are ill. So it's seen as an illness rather than as a reflection 
on the circumstances of your life. But Jesus very clearly places her anxiety in the context of her own circumstances. And so today, what we tend to have is an ignoring of a person's circumstances and a medicalizing of a person's experience. So now you're ill rather than you need to think about and consider the circumstances in which you are living. So circumstance comes first. And then if we take a look at verse 40, you get the sense in verse 40 that she is rushing, that she is very busy. Now, I want to speak next Sunday about the busyness of life. And for many of you, life is very busy. Not for all of you, but for many of you, it is. And because life is busy, there's this dread in the pit of your stomach each time a new week begins. What we have here is the answer from Jesus to the busyness of life. And in verse 42, he gives us in just one phrase the understanding of the answer to the busyness of life. Look at verse 42, and it's the opening phrase, one thing is needed. And so next Sunday, we're going to explore <coughs> excuse me, our own busyness from the point of view of that phrase. One thing is needed. But I guess all of us would recognize that we are living in a very busy society. Everything is rush. There's so many things to do. There's such little time to do everything in. And you've got the mad rush to work in the morning. And you've got the squeeze of people when you go shopping. And there's the constant noise and the constant demands and the constant pressures. And so because of busyness, then you get this experience of anxiety. So circumstances then, the circumstances of people's lives gives rise to anxiety. The busyness of life gives rise to anxiety. Let's do a, a, the third thing here. And if you turn to what she says to Jesus in verse 40. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? That's a fatal mistake. It's a fatal mistake to compare yourselves to others. And that's another cause for anxiety. So you look at what you're earning and you compare what you are earning to what somebody else is earning. You look at what you're doing. And so in work, you are the one doing most. There are others who are not doing anything. And you compare yourself to them. And there's this constant encouragement in our society to compare yourself to others. So it's always a case of looking around. What's everybody else doing? What's everybody else got? 
What do they have that I don't? What have they got that I'm missing out on? And so there's this constant sense of unfairness. Life isn't fair. And as you look around and think that you've been treated unfairly, unjustly, that sense will give rise to anxiety. And I'm sure you'll see it in our own society. There's this constant theme of unfairness. It's unfair that. It's not right the other. What about me and my situation and my life and what's happening to me? That's a theme, I'm sure, that you recognize in the here and now. So here's Martha then. And uh, it's not difficult to imagine Martha, is it? I'm sure we've all been in this situation where she's running from the kitchen out to the, to the dining room. She's putting one plate after another on the table. And as she rushes around, she's actually looking at Mary. And uh, she sees Mary sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And you can imagine her. I have no idea what, whether they cooked on fires. Who knows? But you can imagine Martha, can't you? There she is with, with a pan of water and she's got some, some food and she's saying to herself, look at her in there. Look at her sitting there. She's not doing anything. And here am I. I'm rushing around. I'm doing my best. I'm sweating away. Look at her there. And it's that constant focus on someone else and what they are like and what's going on with them and what their experience is. That's very clearly highlighted here as a cause for anxiety. This constant comparing of oneself with others and how they are having a better time, an easier time than you are. Well, let's look at the fourth, shall we? And it's again found in Martha's words to Jesus. Right at the end of verse 40. So take a look at what her final phrase is and see if you can spot what I think is possibly the greatest characteristic of our society today. Can you spot it? So verse 40 then, she says, Lord, do you not care? that my sister has left me to serve alone. So there's that comparison that people do. Somebody else is having a better time than me. The phrase I want you to notice now is at the end of verse 40. Therefore, tell her to help me. There are no better words to sum up our society than those words. Everything is for somebody else to sort out. It's this idea that everyone is a victim. You can't help it. It's nothing to do with you. It's not your responsibility. Somebody else has to sort it out. Somebody else is to blame. It's somebody else's fault. So your situation requires that somebody else comes along and sort it out for you. And so you sit there and you wait until somebody else, and that somebody else is the government, 
that somebody else is the doctor, that somebody else can be anyone else, as long as it's not you. And so your experience is never your fault. It's never the result of your decisions. It's never the result of what you have done. It's always somebody else. And I'm sure you'd recognize that this idea of being a victim is right at the heart today of what people are like. So if you're an adult and you've got problems, you blame your parents. And it's the way you were brought up. And if you're in difficulty, then you blame an addiction. So it wasn't you at all, but it was some addiction to something, and it was some dependence on something else, and it was something else and something else, but it's never you and what you were like and what you've done and how you've lived and what you've chosen and what you've decided. So there's this constant theme in our society that it's somebody else's responsibility. And what I'd like you to do, if you don't do it already, because perhaps watching the news is a bit depressing, but try listening to the news and hearing so often how someone will tell you it's not their fault, it's someone else's. And you can hear individual stories, you can hear about tragedies, you can hear about historical dates such as, you know, India, independence, how many years ago was it now? 70 years. However you, whatever you listen to, whatever you tune into, you'll hear this message. It's someone else's fault and someone else's responsibility. And so what does Jesus do here? And if you take a look at verse 41, he, the verse opens with that phrase which so often looks unnecessary. Jesus answered and said. Why doesn't he just say? How many times do you read that? Jesus answers and says. And the idea is he's emphasizing. And he wants you to listen. Because what he's about to say is important. And look at how his words begin. Now, when I read verse 41 earlier, I didn't read it as it's written because I always find it a bit awkward to repeat words when you're reading the Bible. But Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Why is he repeating your name? And the answer is he's bringing her to see that in this situation, she is responsible. So he's taking her attention away from Mary, away from her circumstances. He's taking her situation away from comparing herself to her sister. He's taking her attention away from the fact that she is seeing herself as a victim. And he is focusing her attention on her own decisions and responsibilities. Verse 41, you are worried and troubled about many things. Now, part of that answer is um, an insight into Mary's character. 
Jesus isn't just replying to this night and this particular occasion. What Jesus is doing here, he's showing her that he sees her character. He's got insight as the Son of God into the sort of person she is. So she's always like this. She's not just like it tonight because she's got one very uh, big occasion to cater for. She's always like it. She's always worried and always stressed. So he's getting her to look honestly at herself. And then we have this verse, verse 42, and we'll see verse 42 next week from the point of view of the Christian. So society then, what are we saying this morning? Society, our society is an anxious place. And if you're a teacher, you're going to deal with anxious children. And if you're a parent, you're going to have anxious children in school. If you're a parent of a, of a child or a grandchild in university, then university is an anxious place. And you'll be working with anxious colleagues. We need to understand why society is as anxious as it is. So remember the story of Martha. Remember the idea that there are four things at work. It's the circumstances of life. It's the busyness of life. We are in a society that encourages you to compare yourself to somebody else, to feel that you're hard done by, to feel that you're unfairly treated, to feel that you're missing out, to feel that you're unfairly burdened, that you've taken too much on, that you are doing more than anyone else. You're encouraged to think in that way. But can I encourage you above all? We live in a society, let's understand this, in which everyone is a victim. You're a victim of your circumstance. You're a victim of your upbringing. You're a victim of other people. And it's up to everyone else to sort you out. So let's finish by asking our question then. How shall the just live? How are you and I, as Christian people, going to negotiate our way through this society? Well, come back to the story. And uh, this time, let's take a look at Mary. And Mary is an example of how the just shall live in this situation of anxiety. So we take a look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. What we need to be doing as the people of God in a society that is so anxious is to make that conscious decision to hear the word of God. Now, the phrase is, the just shall live by faith. And faith doesn't just mean your personal faith. Faith means objective faith, the truth, the word of God. And to live by that word and to take time 
in order to hear that word. It's, a, it's like that line from a hymn, all the world's distracting voices. We are, we are exposed every day to many voices, to many claims, loads of statements. But what we need is to be able to sit and hear the word of God. Can I encourage you to do so? Let's pray.